Welcome to the Root Cause Revolution podcast with functional and integrative nurse nutritionist and energy medicine practitioner, Audrey Christie. Hey friends, welcome to episode 300 of the Root Cause Revolution podcast. Can you believe we're episode 300? Crazy, right? Today we're talking about sleep, right? We're talking about sleep help, and this will be part one of a two-part series on sleep. So I just want you to think for a minute, how many times do you hear someone say, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I didn't sleep. Now, There's so many factors that go into that, but we're going to talk about sleep today because sleep is critical for your overall health and wellness, for your mental health and wellness, for your energetic health and wellness, and for your healing journey. Welcome. If this is your first time listening, I'm your host. I'm Audrey. I am a naturopath. I'm a root cause clinician, and I specialize in helping women to stop masking symptoms and start healing from all of those things that just won't go away including things that are undiagnosed and officially diagnosed, even autoimmune diseases. I work with people who have tried it all and still aren't at the level of health and wellness that they desire and deserve. So I specialize in helping you start your own root cause revolution to rebalance your body so it can heal for good. If you're done with band-aids and ready for real healing solutions, you're in the right place. So let's talk about sleep. Let's build that foundation so that we know where we need help with our sleep, right? So how do you sleep at night? (laughs) And I don't mean like, how do you sleep at night? Like guilt, right? Even though I can see how that might come off that way. But I mean, do you fall asleep easy? Do you wake feeling rested? Do you sleep all night long? If you can't guess what I'm going to say next, I'm just going to say it, right? Sleep is absolutely critical. It's critical for your mental, emotional, physical, emotional, energetic well-being. It is vital. And yet for so many, sleep is elusive. Uh, As I said at the, the top of the show, we always hear people say, oh, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I didn't sleep. Now, some of that, right? Some of that is an over glorification of being busy. But there is an entirely other side that is time and quality of heads on pillows and eyes shut, right? And when we don't have adequate sleep, which contrary to popular belief is a little bit different for everyone, but when we don't have adequate sleep, that leads to inflammation, it leads to buildup of toxins, it disables the body's ability to process deep emotions, and it disrupts your energetic flow, (laughs) There are more sleep aids on the market today, both natural and chemical, and yet more than ever before, we as a a human race are still sleepless. So we're going to get on the way to a full night's sleep tonight. You know, depending on what life stage you're in, sleep may not feel very important to you, right? Um, We go through stages in life where like, oh, sleep is for old folks, right? Or maybe you've even proclaimed, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I may have even said that before, right? Um, And I get it. From the outside, the body appears to be still, to be inactive. But there is so much more going on in there. During the night while you snooze, while it's dark, your body is working very, very hard behind the scenes. It's working to restock your hormones, process your toxins, repair tissue damage, rearm the immune system with the vital cells it needs. It's working to eliminate the effects of stress and to process big, heavy emotions and traumatic emotions as well. So 
people being unable to sleep disrupts your immune system. It triggers autoimmune conditions. It triggers inflammation and it causes hormone disruptions. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'll just have coffee in the morning, but it's not, it doesn't fix that, right? Coffee can artificially wake you up, but coffee is contributing to your hormone disruptions and contributing to your lack of sleep. And often it's just a vicious cycle. Now, when I work with people, sleep is one of the first priorities I address in the journey back to wellness, because it doesn't matter if you are injured, physically injured, or recovering from an injury, or an illness, or you have some kind of, you know, unmitigated inflammation going on in your body. Sleep is part of the key. Routinely getting sound sleep improves motivation, improves your ability to make changes necessary to heal the body and physically heals the body. I can tell you through my physical training, my athletic training process, that anytime I have suffered an injury, one of the first things my trainer has said to me, echoed by my doctors and and the other people that I work with to get my body back to where it should be when I've injured myself, um, sleep like you are, like your job depends on it. Sleep like it is your profession. Um, Because that's the only way your body can heal. Okay. So let's talk about how your body falls asleep, right? So the magic of falling asleep starts with the pineal gland. Um, Yes, that pesky little teeny tiny gland is about the size of an ant. It's located near the center of our skull. So think the middle of the eyebrows, just a little bit up kind of where the third eye is. It's also that little gland that is easily calcified by things like fluoride in your water and fluoride in your toothpaste and another a number of other issues. But the pineal gland secretes a transmitter, a neurotransmitter called melatonin. You've probably heard of melatonin, right? I always cringe when I hear people say, I'm taking melatonin and going to bed, right? Um, Or I give my kid melatonin every day because melatonin, although it's a pretty cool little transmitter that helps you fall asleep, when you take it routinely, exogenous, so outside of the body, it can actually trigger the body to stop making melatonin, and then you're dependent on that tiny little melatonin pill forever and ever. That's not to say there aren't times when you should and, and need to take melatonin, but I digress. That, that little pineal gland secretes melatonin following something called our circadian rhythm. Um, Once it kicks in, melatonin is kind of in charge. It suppresses the activity of a whole bunch of other neurotransmitters in the body, which results in the calming of the brain and the body. Part of the reason for this brain calming is because it counters things like our stress hormone cortisol. Um, So at night, melatonin should be kicking in and then adversely, cortisol should be going down. Cortisol secreted by your adrenal glands. So when you think of things like adrenal fatigue, um, adrenal stress, all the way, you know, into the diagnosable adrenal syndromes, know that that's primarily impacting that cortisol, which also has a balance with melatonin. Now, As you become drowsy, your brain slowly begins to turn down the volume on what's called our voluntary skeletal muscle functions. Eventually, it even turns them off. And this is super cool because it's your body's way of keeping you from thrashing about, right? And doing things like physically acting out your dreams. 
turning off the body's skeletal muscles, the the voluntary skeletal muscles is the body's built-in way to prevent and ensure that internal, well, to prevent people from thrashing about, but also to uh, encourage that internal revitalization work. So things like restocking your hormones, processing the serious toxins, repairing tissue damage, rearming the system with the immune system, eliminating the impact of stress and processing those big, heavy emotions. So turning off the voluntary skeletal muscles prevents those things from being disrupted. So um, an example you might have seen in real life, if you have, have if you have a dog, right, um, is if you've seen your dog dreaming, or even a child dreaming, um, the this function of turning off the voluntary skeletal muscles, making it hard to move your limbs or shout, or, you know, do something in response to a vivid nightmare or dream that when you see the dogs like running while they're asleep, or, you know, kind of those little muffled barks and things, that is this effect that you're seeing in real life. But the the whole thing is for you to have an ideal, restful, nourishing sleep, like I said, melatonin should be steadily rising and cortisol should be dropping or super low at bedtime. And it sounds very, very simple. But the catch is, is that the pineal gland has to be triggered to start the melatonin process. So if your body's not triggered to start the melatonin then it becomes very difficult for any of this process to start. And can you guess what triggers the, this process to start? Darkness, <laughs> the sun setting, darkness, low noise situations. And you know what grinds this process to a screeching halt? The opposite of that, bright lights, loud noises, So think about what do you do in the evening hours when you notice the sun has set outside? What's it look like inside your house? Are the lights on bright? Do you have a cell phone four inches from your nose? Um, Are you watching or reading on an iPad? Do you have the TV and the surround sound blaring as you're binging whatever it is or watching your favorite late night TV show or the, the football games going, whatever it might be? Those things grind that process of falling asleep to a screeching halt. So what happens then? So what happens when you turn off the lights and go to bed? Well, if you actually turn off the lights and turn off the phone and go to bed, then you have to think, how long has it been since darkness? Two hours, three hours, four hours, more? It's probably going to take you a while to fall asleep or that first four or five hours to sleep, if you do fall asleep, will be fitful because you might be tired in one sort of section of your physiology. So you might be physically tired or mentally tired or whatever, but your cortisol is still high and your melatonin is still too low. So we're going to take a closer look at even at even that. Um, so... <laughs> There are some really simple things that we can do to help you fall asleep very, very quickly. I often hear things from people that say, Audrey, I can't fall asleep. I lay in bed for hours and I just can't fall asleep. And when I do fall asleep, I wake up frequently. What is something natural I can take? 
So of course, you can always take something natural to help you fall asleep. Usually you'll notice a diminishing return on those things, meaning you'll start taking it, it works great for a few months, and then it doesn't work so well, and then it doesn't work at all, and you're on to the next thing. Um, Oftentimes, it's not a nutrient we're missing uh, for our bodies to fall asleep. It's often that you're missing darkness and low noise, right? So Often when you make those adjustments within just a few nights, your body can switch gears and remember how to fall asleep and stay asleep. Now, everybody's case isn't that simple, but many, many, many cases are that simple. So what's the number one thing that you can do to help your body prepare and be ready for sleep? Notice the outside natural world around you and create that natural world indoors. So for example, this time of year, the sun's setting at what, like 645, seven-ish, between 630 and 715, let's say. Um, So at that time, if you still need to have a phone on and around and in your face, then grab some blue light blocking glasses to help mitigate that. About that time, start turning the lights down in your house. If you don't have a dimmer, this is the time for all those lamps um, to be the overhead lights to be turned off and soft light to be turned on. Even better is if you're using something like a Himalayan salt lamp because it is an ultra soft light. You can change your phone screen, not just from dim, but to no blue light. Um, On my iPhone, I have a button. I can click it, the side button three times and it changes it to red even better, right? Um, Make sure that any devices you're using are far away. Turn the sound down. Now's maybe the time to have the sound turned down. Best case scenario, the TV's off and you're not watching the news and you're not adding to your stress levels and you're just reading a book in with low, soft, not blue light until it's time for bed. And usually when I tell people to get off the phone (laughs) at night, um, I hear, well, my phone is my only connection to my friends, my family, the world. And I get it. And that's totally fine the other 10 hours of the day. But it's an excuse and not a very good one for poor sleep that kicks off a cascade of poor health, right? So it might sound like a little bit of, of tough talk, but the my phone is my only connection is an excuse, right? It's an addiction to our devices, intentionally so. That's what the way they're des- designed. It's an addiction to social media. It's an addiction to work and emailing in the evening and all of those things. And all of those choices get in the way of your body's pro-sleep chemical shifts. And guess what? When you don't sleep, that makes your next day less productive and the next day less productive. So it's better to have boundaries and shut those things off and then be ultra productive during the day and then shut them off again at night, right? Most of these devices display what's called full spectrum light and full spectrum light confuses the brain because it's like, is it nighttime? Is it not? Right? And if you combine that with TV shows, drama, violence, or the news, which is drama and violence, um, those things are loud and stressful, The evening news is designed to create stress and fear. Most of it's not true. Um, And, you know, if you top that off with crime dramas or horror movies, all of those things are designed to cause stress, right? You don't check work emails at 9 p.m. because you love work most of the time. It's because it's stress related, right? Or it's it's adding to your already extensive to-do list, right? 
So what I encourage you to do, yes, can you use blue light blocking settings on your iPhone or blue light blocking glasses? Absolutely. Those are a good solution for the one-off times where you must be on that device late at night. But all the rest of the nights, right, you really need to put that phone down, put it down, walk away, get rid of the iPad, move it, stop reading on your Kindle unless you have one of those paper white things, right? So we're going to dig into exactly the uh, issue you're having with sleep and each of the options on next Wednesday's episode. We're going to talk about some sleep options to get you over the hump um, so that you can start actively making these changes. Because like I said at the, at the earlier in the episode, if you're exhausted, it's very difficult to create change. So sometimes we have to use a little bit of help to get us over the hump. So here's a couple steps to stop sleeplessness that you can try before we dive in. So these are always the prerequisites. So anytime that somebody says, Audrey, I need help sleeping, what can I take? We go through these six steps first, and then we add something for sleep. Okay, so step one, we're choosing calm, quiet evening activities. Often, um, all it takes is identifying what is calm for you. Calm for you might be different than calm for me. I have a, a, a patient whose calm is folding laundry. I despise folding laundry and that is never calm for me, <laughs> right? So maybe it's something like reading a book. Maybe it's taking a warm bath. Maybe it's going for a light stroll outdoors around sunset. That is a really, really good way to induce sleep because your body is looking for those natural cues from nature. Uh, It could be playing with a pet. It could be folding laundry. If you are having trouble sleeping, then no email, no TV, no next day planning, no budgeting, no stressful conversations in the full hour before bedtime, if not two hours. Best case is two hours, but at least the full hour before bedtime. So the key with this kind of calming, quiet evening activities is to choose activities that resonate with you. If you hate reading, not for you. Don't do that. If laundry stresses you out like it does me, don't do that. Choose something else. If taking a warm bath sounds like torture like it does for me, don't do that. Choose something else, right? Um, If noise is an issue, because occasionally I talk to clients and patients that um, noise is an issue for them in the evenings. It could be environmental noise. It could be partner, uh, spouse noise. It could be pet noise. Grab some of those super soft foam earplugs or add the white noise of a white noise machine or a fan. Um, This can help you both while sleeping, which a lot of people use it for that, but also in those hours before bed. Step number two is to turn off full spectrum light for a full hour, best case scenario, full two hours before bedtime. Again, that means no email, no TV, no smartphones, no apps. On the rare occasion that you do need to use these devices, and they should be rare, make sure you're using blue light blocking glasses, blue light blocking settings on your iPhone to reduce the impact on your sleep cycle. The iPhone and app settings are generally not effective, but they did come out um, with this newest update with a, a, a new way you can set up your phone to triple click the um, screen close button on iPhones and it'll flip the switch and it'll make the whole screen red, like deep red. Um, and that is a really good way to mitigate some blue light. If you aren't sleeping 
right now, right? If you are somebody who is just like, I haven't had a good night's sleep and I don't remember how long, make it a hard rule to turn phones off, handheld devices off two hours before bedtime. Also make it a hard rule that there are no phones or iPads, no handheld devices in the bedroom. Okay. Um, third thing, avoid all caffeine sources, even light caffeine, like green tea or black tea after 2 p.m. No caffeine after 2 p.m. Green tea, coffee, soda, chocolate. It impacts you many, many hours later. Oftentimes people who are struggling with sleep because their body hasn't been able to sleep, it hasn't been able to mitigate all the toxins. And so they also have uh, a liver clog, if so to speak, right? A lower functioning liver. And so people with lower functioning livers, you can't filter out the caffeine. So you can have caffeine at lunchtime and it'll still impact your sleep at night. Okay. Number four, temperature. Temperature is so important. It's important for the bedroom to not be too hot because it disrupts sleep at night. Rooms that are too hot tend to wake us up, not generally too cold. You can always add blankets for cold, but rooms that are too hot wake us up. Um, in addition to waking us up, uh, temperatures naturally increase temperature extremes, I should say, naturally increase our stress hormones, which promotes wakefulness, being awake, right? Number five is to set up a relaxing ritual at night. And this might include some herbal tea, like a chamomile, a valerian, passion flower, um, lavender. These herbal teas help you to relax and they really set the tone for sleep. And if you aren't much of a tea drinker, then a hot, or even if you are, a hot bath with Epsom salts works really well. And if you're not like, if you're like me and a hot bath sounds like torture, then maybe writing in your journal for about 10 minutes, doing a brain dump, reading some inspirational or spiritual books can help. You can also meditate before bed. Or one of my favorite tricks is to meditate myself to sleep. <laughs> I have one special meditation that I use for sleep only because I don't want to induce sleep in the morning when I meditate, right? So sometimes I'll meditate myself to sleep. Number six is quiet your digestion. So this is really, really powerful because a full tummy will cause initial drowsiness, but will end up with restless or light sleep. So you really want to avoid eating the last two to three hours before bed. Okay. So if you're having dinner at seven o'clock, then you better not be planning to go to bed until 10 PM. <laughs> so ideally you're having dinner earlier in the day before it gets dark outside. I, I don't know. That's not always possible. And sometimes we have to, uh, arrange or prioritize, um, what we need. So if your only opportunity to sit down together as a family and talk is at 8 PM over dinner, then, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do. Um, but do your best not to have, particularly if you're having trouble sleeping, um, not to have anything to eat past two to three hours before bed. Um, you could eat dinner earlier in the day and then sit and visit with your family while they eat or have something small, but just don't go to bed with a full tummy. All right. So to wrap this up, if you're routinely not sleeping, then sleep is your first priority, not weight loss, not healing your eczema, not healing your psoriasis, not getting off your medications. Sleep is your first priority. 
You have to fix it in order for your body to do the work of healing, in order for your emotions to process, in order for your hormones to restock, in order for your immune system to function properly, and in order for all the rest of those symptoms and issues and diagnoses to diminish and heal. All right, that's it for today, friends. I will be back with you with an Ask Audrey episode on Friday, and then part two of this will come out next Wednesday. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Root Cause Revolution podcast. Be sure and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated.